meditated on this subject. I've been, for you, for you folks that are 50 years old or older, what we're seeing in America, I never thought I'd ever see. Never, never would I ever thought in the wildest dreams that we'd see what's going on uh, with the transgender foolishness. Bill, Bill Shapiro, is it Bill Shapiro? Shapiro had a good program. He's conservative. Bill Shapiro, he says, transgenderism is mental illness. I think he's, he's nailed it. He nailed it. Uh, that, that whole thing is mentally ill. People are mentally ill to think that way. When a man thinks he's a woman, something's definitely mentally wrong with them. And when a woman thinks they're a... And I really get... To, I, I mean, I never thought I'd live in a day where they wouldn't define what a woman was. I mean, we're having government-level people on, on committee meeting won't define a woman. They call them a birthing person. And what they mean is a woman that has transgendered in her mind to a man says now she's a man and she can birth. That's what they mean by men having babies. Men cannot have babies. I want to tell you something on simple biology. Men cannot have babies. Men cannot menstruate. Straight up and down. It never is going to happen. It hasn't happened. It won't happen. What they're talking about is a woman who says she's a man having a baby. Well, they won't say that a woman's having a man. They'll say a man's having a baby. But she's not a man. She's a woman. Does that make sense to you? <clears throat> All those city people, that's what happens when you get city people. They get, need to get out in the country and they need, to get, they need to see the chickens, how they breed, and the, and, the, uh, and the goats, how they breed, and the cows, how they breed, and the horses, how they breed. And that Nobody ever had to teach me the facts of life. Man, when we had horses, we had chickens, we had, they all bred. Everything around me where I live now is breeding, except my wife and I. I mean, one day we're out on the porch, and I said, do you realize everything out here is having babies but us? We're not having no babies. I said, all these things, these squirrels are having babies and these birds are having babies and, and, this, and everything. What is God telling us? He's saying, if you don't multiply, you will die. A guy by the name of Elon Musk said one of the, one of the it's interesting because I don't believe he's a Christian. But he says one of the biggest uh, fears he has for the world is population, depopulation, depopulation. He says, we got a horrible situation going on of depopulation. Well, what he's missing is that abortion is part of the depopulation. The black race, since I've been uh, paying attention, the black race in America used to be, I believe, 19% of our population. The other day I looked at it, it was 15%. I'm going to tell you why they're going down. Abortion. And they're shooting each other. And the gangs in these towns and cities are killing each other. Self-destructive behavior. Brother, it don't take a genius to know that ain't working. That ain't working. That's not part of the message. That's my introduction. But I've been thinking about all that, meditating about all that, and I'm thinking, Lord Jesus, uh, even so come, Lord Jesus. That's the last phrase of the Bible. Even so come, Lord Jesus. And what are the signs of the last times? How do we know that we're in the last times? Well, there's a few things. 
that I'm not going to speak about. There's going to be an increase of knowledge in the last times. I think we got it. There's going to be an increase of transportation in the last times, and obviously we haven't. But I'm not speaking about them tonight. I'm going to speak about what I consider the major sign, the major sign that we are close, close to the tribulation period. And then eventually after the end of the tribulation, the second coming of Christ. There's one all-encompassing exhortation and warnings and a warning in, in the Bible to believers. And that is you and I as born-again believers in this room are to be ready. We're to be ready. There will be no excuse for your failure about being ready as a Christian. No alibis, no 50 reasons why you couldn't. No, I didn't know, preacher. You must be ready to meet God at any moment without notice, by the way. Let's read our text, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1 through 6. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 through 6. I'll get me a water ready here. But of, of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Now I want to put a parenthesis after that verse. To the unbeliever. To the unbeliever. Or if you want to put a parenthesis there, to the world. Jesus is coming and his coming is going to be as a thief in the night. You get the analogy. To the world. For when they, notice the word they, he doesn't include himself, and the writer of this course being born again, Apostle Paul. When they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, they shall not escape. But ye, notice he goes, that's plural by the way, you born-again believers, the people in Thessalonica, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, because of all that, let us not sleep as do others, <clears throat> but let us watch and be sober. That's the church, the born-again believers. God said in Deuteronomy chapter 29, 29, the secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong unto us, that's the born-again believers, and our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So from Old Testament to New Testament, the people that trusted God had special insight into life. They were not kept in the darkness. Jesus told his disciples an interesting, and you ought to mark this in your book, John chapter 7, verse 6. He told his disciples an interesting phrase here. He said, and then Jesus said unto them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. Amen? I think one of the best cardiologists in the entire county is uh, Dr. Robert Bailey. If you want a doctor that you can disagree with and he won't fire you, it's Dr. Bailey. If you want a doctor that you can argue with a little bit and he won't take it to offense, uh, that's Dr. Bailey. Now, there's very few doctors 
the doctors have this much pride, and if and they're like God talking, and if they if you say anything against what they believe, they want to fire you. If you won't listen to me, get out of here. And that's not that's not you don't need somebody like that. You need somebody that's human, somebody that'll understand you have your reasons for saying what you say, and you're not a complete idiot. And that, well, you can reason with. That's Dr. Bailey. I highly suggest that you make your first appointment with him because you're going to probably need him. Jesus said your time can happen anytime. And you know that. You haven't lived you haven't lived very long before you know people drop dead. Boom. They get in automobile accidents. Boom. They're on their way home tonight. Boom. I don't can I tell you how many close calls I've had in my uh in my short life. I mean, uh, I pulled out on Corkscrew one day and there were three three uh, dump trucks coming my way. And they they travel up Corkscrew, you know, 80 mile an hour. I mean, them boys were trying to get back to get their, get a load and come on back. And I knew they were going fast, but I thought, well, I'll slip out in front of them. So I pulled out in, out in my lane, and the second guy passed, not seeing me. He passed. And so I got two dump trucks facing me, and I took the ditch. But that was just, if I hadn't reacted, it was just that close. My wife and I were going down Lico Road not long ago, and, and there were three dump trucks coming. It's the number three, the number of God. Three dump trucks coming my way, and they're, they're um, you know, right close to each other. And the second dump truck, the guy must have fell asleep. And all of a sudden, his truck just came right at me. I mean, he just it just turned right directly at me. The ditch over in Alico is real deep there, and I didn't really want to go into the ditch because I knew if I went into the ditch, I'd probably tip over and mess my truck up, and I'd rather die. <laughs> so I uh, can't scare me with heaven. And so... I just, I just kind of went over as far as I could without going to ditch and, and just, you know, I figured it was going to hit me, it was going to hit me. And he woke up. God woke him up. And he pulled back into the lane. Near-death experience. I can't tell you how many of them I've had. I mean, you think everything's wonderful, you're going home, you're going to see some people, you make some appointments, and you're going to be gone. Or you're going to be, life is going to be changed. We're always, our time's always ready. So tonight's message, the title of it is Be Ready. It's just, first of all, common sense. Jesus told his disciples, not just about the end times, but I believe we are close, but we should be ready at any time to meet the Lord Jesus because you may. Let me look at some Bible. Let's look together. You don't have to look at these, but I'll read them to you. Some Bible exhortations to watch and to be ready. In Matthew chapter 24, 42 to 44, and I realize he's talking about the second coming of Christ in these passages. In Luke chapter 21, in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is primarily talking about the second coming of Christ, not the rapture. The rapture's already happened. Talking to those people on earth there, uh, there are born-again believers. By the way, how many born-again believers are in the tribulation period? Without number. There's going to be so many people saved in the tribulation period, tremendous ingathering in the tribulation period of people being saved. I think, that, I think the Bibles we leave, how many Bibles do you think we're going to leave? I mean, every one of you own four or five Bibles. How many tracts do you think we're going to leave? Well, tonight we left 2,500. How many churches do you think are going to be left empty? There won't be any major line denominations. They'll have the normal crowd. But, I mean, when the rapture happens, there's going to be a lot of vacancy and a lot of things left around, and they're going to wonder what is going on. There's going to be a tremendous amount of people saved, tremendous in-gathering during this period of time. He's speaking to them. He says, Watch, therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. 
But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known what, what, in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be also ready, for in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh. Now that can apply both to the people of the rapture, and it can apply also to the people of the second coming. In Luke chapter 21, 36, it says, Watch ye therefore, and pray always, that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come upon shall come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Uh, and take heed to yourselves that at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting. The word surfeiting means excessiveness and drunkenness and cares of this life so that the day, that day it comes as you unawares. Uh, you'll never have to worry about being a drunk if you don't drink alcohol. Those are wise, wise words. The second coming of Jesus Christ is preceded by many signs and natural events. There'll be 21 major judgments worldwide that happened before the second coming of Christ. And so born-again believers have been told plainly in Matthew chapter 24 and Luke 21 some of these signs. But one of the major signs of the second coming of Christ and the end times, the massive is, and this sign is not just local, it's massive and worldwide, uh, is the sign of Jonah. He says, as in the days of Jonah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. He's talking about second coming. As in the days of Jonah. What were the days of Jonah? Well, most of you know and have studied enough about the flood and the people of the flood, but we're going to go back in there for a second and see, okay, what were the days of Jonah like? Well, the, Because it's important if you, can, if, you can, if you can understand the days of Jonah, you can look at our time and say, does this line up? Are things lining up? Well, I believe so. Uh, one of the last signs before God steps in as he did in the flood and judges people and this may surprise you by the way is the sin of violence now, you may you may have thought well it's the sin of Simon Gomorrah homosexuality but homosexuality was a bad sin and is a bad sin Transgen transgenderism is a bad sin it's so wicked adultery is a bad sin fornication is a bad sin they'll all send you to hell but one sin above every sin seems to stand out with God, and that is violence. On the road down to decadence, the last step down into hell, if I may say it that way, is the sin of violence. Is the sin of violence. Violence for entertainment. I don't watch cage boxing. There's a lot of things I don't watch because of violence. I don't get my fun out of violence. I don't make fun out of violence, which we're seeing. Violence we see in all directions. Genesis chapter 6, verse 11 through 13. You, you make your own conclusion when I read these. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Now, that's in the days of Noah. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, and for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence. Now remember, earth, it's not a local problem, not a local problem, not a problem with just the United States, or a problem with Europe, a problem with South America. It's a problem that's going to be worldwide. 
It's going to sweep the world. Violence. And the earth was filled with violence through them. And behold, he said, I will destroy them with the earth. That was the final sin, it seemed like, that drew God in to destroying what he had made. In Psalm 11, verse 5, it says, The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked, and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. If you love violence, God hates that. And you don't want to be doing something that God hates. Psalm 73, verse 6. Therefore pride cometh them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. He's talking about the wicked. In Ezekiel chapter 12, verse 19 and 20, it's talking about the people of the land of Israel. And they say unto the people of the land, Thus saith the Lord God of the inhabitants of Jerusalem and of the land of Israel, they shall eat their bread with carefulness and drink their water with astonishment, that their land may be desolate from all that is in therein. Because why? Why would you desolate them? Because of the violence of all them that dwell therein. And the cities that are inhabited shall be laid waste, and the land shall be desolate, and you shall know that I am the Lord. It was the cry of Sodom, it was the cry of Nineveh. Uh, did I say Jonah? I meant Noah. I've been saying Jonah this whole time. I like Jonah. None of you, not one of you corrected me, held your hand up, stood up, and said, Preacher, it's Noah. As in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be, not Jonah. Now, I am going to Jonah. Boy, that's what happens. That's what happens, I guess, when you get out of practice. Okay, when Nineveh, Jonah, Jonah preached against Nineveh. You know, he preached an eight-sermon, eight-word sermon. No eight-word sermons ever got so much revival. The greatest revival ever happened on earth, as far as we know, was the revival of Nineveh. And here's what, the, what happened when he preached that sermon. He said, but let, the, let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger and we perish not? Man, would I be thrilled if people believed the preaching of the Bible like that. Jonah went through there and said, you're going to be destroyed. They believed from the top down, and God did what? Gave him another 150 years before he came back under the book of Nahum and destroyed him. He did destroy him, but he gave him 150 years of grace. If America will repent, in any kind of fashion as this, if my people call by my name especially will repent of the things that make God unhappy and displease God, he's likely to give us another 100 years down the road. People have come up to me real fatalistically and said, it's over for America. It's over for America. It's never over if the mercy of God's still there. And God's people, which are called by his name, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek his face. We'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Oh, may it be so. May it be so. We look in Revelation chapter 16, 5 and 6. says, I heard an angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art, which was, and shall be, because thou hast judged us. For they have shed the blood of saints and of prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. He had just changed all the fountains of water into blood. This was an angel saying, hey, 
You're giving them what they want. They just love blood. They love to shed blood. They love violence. Give them blood to drink. And he does. What are the violent ones' reactions to Jesus, the Lamb of God, in Revelation chapter 6? How do people in Revelation... One thing that surprised me about these, these people in, in the tribulation period by majority are committing the sin of violence, the same sin committed by Noah, the people of Noah, not Noah himself, but the people in Noah's day. Those same sin, of course, those sins are also going to be the same ones at the time of, of Jesus. How do they react when they find out that God's judging them? Well, let's look. Revelation chapter 6, verse 16, 17. And they said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? They don't want to repent. when they, Now remember, what's amazing in the tribulation period is God somehow, and I'm not quite sure how he does it. I know in some degree the two witnesses, the 144,000 witnesses preaching the gospel, there's an angel that flies through heaven preaching the everlasting gospel, but there's also called... There's a thing that we don't know what it means is the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. We don't know what that is. We don't know what it means. But they got big telescopes now they can look at it. But they're going to look through that telescope someday and they're going to see something that's going to identify them with the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're going to know what's going on in the tribulation period. It's not some fluke accident. It is not climate change. It is not due to carbon dioxide or monoxide or any of that. It is due to Jesus Christ himself judging them for their sin. They know it. They say, hide us. Hide us. Let the mountains fall on us and the rocks fall on us. And hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and the, from the wrath of the Lamb. That's, that's good theology. Revelation 16, 9, again, the reaction. And the men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which had power over the plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. Instead of asking for forgiveness, sometimes people say, well, if they just, could, if they just knew who it was, if God would just make himself known to them, they'd repent, would they? Well, this would be a good time. But instead they blaspheme. The word, the word blaspheme means to simply speak against God. It can mean use his name in vain. It can mean it can mean they could say, I hate God. They could use whatever they want, but they're speaking against God. They're blaspheming God. Revelation 16, 11, Again, and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and repented not of their deeds. In Revelation 16, 21, and there fell upon the men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. That's a hundred pounds. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. Yeah, 100-pound stones began to fall out of heaven. It would be great. What is the reaction of the unsaved to Jesus' judgment upon them? Repentance? In this case, it's blasphemy. They hate him for what he stands for. You know, you say, well, why do they, why, why do unsaved people why do so, so many unsaved people hate God? Well, Jesus told us. He told us as clear as you can tell somebody. In John chapter 3, verse 19 and 20, Jesus' words, 
This is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men loved darkness more than light, rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. The difference between me, you and me and them is that when our deeds were reproved, we repented. We confessed it to God and said, what you said about us is true. We're evil. We're wicked. Our thoughts are evil continually. Our, we have violence in our hands. We have blood on our hands. We're wicked. And so, and if you'll confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness by the grace of God through his blood. These people, though they know it's Jesus Christ, though they know the face of the one on the throne of the Lamb of God, they know it's the Lamb of God, the sign of the Son of Man, no confusion theologically. It's not Buddha. It's not Confucius, it's not any of those other, it's not Muhammad, it's not any of them false teachers. It's Jesus Christ who they really hate. Of course, you know the power behind them, the power of the dragon is the one, the one behind them that's giving them that kind of a thought. The tribulation is a time of God's wrath upon the wickedness of man, especially violence. The, the phrase, the wrath of God, in the book of Revelation. Uh, five times this phrase alone occurs, the wrath of God, uh, in between chapters uh, 14 and 16 of the book of Revelation. Thirteen times the word wrath appears in the entire book. So born-again believer, you and I have been delivered from the wrath of God. You say, why do you believe in the rapture of the church? Well, I'll tell you why. One of the biggest foundational truths for the rapture of the church is that God will not put us in double jeopardy. Our sins, all of them, have been placed under the blood of Christ. They were paid for by Jesus when he was beaten and scourged and his beard was plucked out of him and he was mocked and he was stripped naked and he was hung on that old rugged cross. His joints were out, his body, all his joints were out, out of joint and, and they hung him there for six hours and laughed at him and mocked him and, he, and put a crown of thorns upon him and, gave, and put a purple robe on him and, and made fun of him, the old soldiers. In every way possible, the very Son of God whose word could have erased them from ever being in existence. He so loved us, the world, that he gave his only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The wrath of God cannot come upon us. And the judgments of the tribulation period, people, and I'm not saying this because I want to say it. I'm saying it because this is the evidence. The, the judgments of the tribulation period are worldwide judgments. The difference between those judgments and other judgments in history is the tribulation judgments are worldwide. The, the, the effect of them is worldwide. It's clear, and I told you before, the two witnesses, the 444,000 witnesses, the angel flying through heaven preaching everlasting gospel, added on to all the other witnesses the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. God is making it clear who's doing this. They're not going to be in ignorance and wonder, well, who's doing this? Why are we getting beat up? Why are No, they're going to know they're getting beat up for their sin. They're getting beat up because they love darkness rather than light, and they hate the light. 
and won't come to the light to be saved. Because it says in 1 Thessalonians 1.10, and to wait for the Son of the Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivered us from the wrath to come. That's past tense, people, who delivered us. When did I get delivered from the wrath to come? When I repented of my sins, when I repented, made repentance towards God's and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that's Acts 20, 26, or 21. That's when I got, I got all that, all my sin, the wrath. You say, well, while we were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. Yes, I know in God's mind, he knew everybody was going to be saved and going to trust him when given the opportunity. I get it. But in my mind and in my time, when I repented of my sin at five years old, you say, five-year-old got a bunch of sin? Man, lying, stealing, hating. I had all kinds of sin at five years old. Little wheelbarrow had a birthday, didn't he, five? He's got a whole bunch of sin like that. Revelation 3.10, to the church at Sardis, he says, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world. Look, folks, I'm not making this up. This is just the evidence to try them that dwell upon the earth. You look it up, Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. You say, Brother Bill, are we in a time of violence? The sin of abortion, and why I've prayed for some 50, almost 50 years, somehow Roe versus Wade would be overturned, and I've lived to see it. Now I can go home. And uh, it's not over. The battle's not over with Roe versus Wade being overturned. The battle's far from over. The battle's just started. Now each state has to slug it out and define when life starts. Praise God, we've only got two states that have defined life at conception. And if, if life begins at conception, that baby needs protecting. And a, and a mother, is that is not part of her body. That is a total separate alien in her body. I mean it. A baby is a completely separate being with a different DNA and a different blood type than her mother or his mother, whatever it happens to be oftentimes, and as another human being. Women have been given the great responsibility. And, and of all people, you wouldn't think women, which has been given the responsibility to protect that child till birth, would hate the child. Violence. Violence. But it's not just America, is it? America's had something like 62 million abortions since it started. But it's not America. But you start looking around the world. Look how many abortions Europe's had. Look how many abortions South America, North America, and Africa. And it's in the, I, I one time I did a little study on that, and it stunned me. I just, I just cried at how many millions and millions of little children have been murdered. And by the way, there is no such thing as a nonviolent abortion. It's violent. They inject them or they tear their heads off or they go in there and rip them. You ought to watch a picture of an abortion if you can stand it. In the uh, PRC ministry, whatever that stands for, one way they keep these girls from having abortions is show them an ultrasound of the baby. They show them that ultrasound, they see the baby, they see the heartbeat, and they see the baby moving. It's got two legs, two arms, a head or whatever, you know, and they say, what in the world? This is a, this is a human being. 
If you don't believe that, if you don't believe that, that, a, that a, uh, a child in the womb is a human being, go break a couple bald eagle eggs and see what happens. Murder a pregnant woman and you're charged with two murders. Come on. Come on. The inconsistency is obvious. We are living among the most violent, murderous, bloodthirsty group of people that have, that have inhabited this planet since Noah. Are we close? I can tell you what, we're in the season. The times and the seasons, we're close. and We're at least in the season of the rapture of the church in the tribulation period. Brother Chris, Brother Thomas may live long enough. Maybe, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not, the rapture may happen right now. Rapture, rapture, I'm for the rapture before I die. But, you know, I'm, I'm for it. I don't want to die. But if I get to die, and then Thomas and, and, uh, and, and what's his name? Chris. They may be, they may be honored. They may be honored to be part of that rapture group that never sees death, never has to go through it. Amen, amen. Well, I hope I, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. These are the times for such a time as this are we born. We're, we're put here not out of time. We're put here right on time, right when we need to be here. Have courage, brother. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the evil day, having done all to stand. Father, help us tonight. Thank you. That, help us to be ready. Forgive us where we've uh, somehow maybe thought, well, it's going to be down the road a while. Start living the way we wanted to and living maybe in an uncontrolled manner. But Father, help us to live in a manner be pleasing in your sight every day, every day, not knowing that the day May be, today is the day. This may be the day. We love you. Thank you for your warning. Thank you for the heads up. May there be somebody in this room, possibly over the Internet, that knows not Christ as their personal Savior. May they simply be willing to confess that they're a sinner, unable to save themselves. May they go to you in simple childlike prayer and say, I'm a sinner, unable to save myself. I believe Jesus died buried and rose again the third day for my sin. I believe he died for me. I now ask him to be my Savior and my Lord. Come into my life. Please save me. And oh, dear one, God will come and save you. Be willing to turn from your wicked way. You don't get saved by works. You don't get saved by try <coughs> trying to clean up. God will clean you up when you get saved. Maybe you're here as a Christian, you've been goofing off, haven't been serious about God, your hand, been on, hand hasn't been on the plow. Put your hand on the plow. Because today or tomorrow, this week may be the last week you ever have to do it. While you got the opportunity to do it, do it. Put your hand on the plow and please God. Pass some tracks out. Warn the, warn the lost. Lift up your voice. Cry in the streets. In Jesus' name we pray. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, 
or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.